Hello, listeners. I am super excited for today. I have four teens who struggled with selective mutism and are now here to share a bit about themselves, about their journey, and to provide advice, recommendations, and answer some common questions that some teenagers have, but also parents and others may have about selective mutism. So I'm going to let each of these teens introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Veronica. I am 17 years old. I'm a senior in high school, and I have been recently recovering from selective mutism. I was diagnosed around three or four in preschool, basically, and I was mute all throughout elementary school. And I got treatment from the Smart Center four years ago in 2019, the October camp. And I feel like it just really helped me because I realized that there were a bunch of other people with it. And I thought I was like one of the only ones because I never saw people in my day-to-day life like that had it. And um, so I felt like something was wrong with me that I just wondered why am I like that and why talking was so easy for everybody else. Yeah, so that was like the beginning of your journey. Yeah. Really for overcoming this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I started to make progress slowly. I started to talk to teachers. Like, for example, last year I was mute with all my teachers and I was scared to talk to them because I was scared of surprising them with the fact that I'm talking. And I feel like that was a big fear of mine, is surprising people with my speaking. So I tried my best to find a way around it, which was basically stating to people I wanted to talk to that I want to practice talking with you. Please expect me to talk. And that just helped me get over that like hurdle of like, being so scared to like surprise people and it really worked like I eventually started to talk to all my teachers and be verbal in the classrooms that's awesome I'm Layla Um, I'm 18 and I just graduated high school um, in May Um, I was diagnosed with selective mutism like right before I turned 15 and I came to the smart center and I um, was was working with Dr. E and then um, the summer after that when I was 16 I came to Communicamp um, myself um, and you know that's kind of when I started making progress um, and you know progressed to be more verbal in school and um, in other social situations um, since then I've been able to come back to the Smart Center and like talk at Communicamp on parent panels and to like the teen groups and I've also been able to be a counselor for the younger kids. Um, I'm Sophie, I'm 19 and I will be entering college at the end of the month. I will be majoring in human services with a concentration in counseling and I was diagnosed with SM originally when I was like four, but I started working with the Smart Center when I was 11. And I actually attended camp two summers ago with Layla. We never spoke to each other. And 
this is actually, I think, my seventh time speaking at Communicam, which is incredible to me. Hi, my name is Sebi, and uh, I got diagnosed with selective mutism when, in second grade. And I went to this camp, and I was very fortunate to have overcome it at a pretty early age. And now I'm into acting and filmmaking and hope to continue this when I'm older. This is just such a wonderful opportunity for others to hear from teens. So often I get questions of, oh, my child, she's too old, he's too old, he's in second grade, he's in fifth grade, he's, a, he's in eighth grade, he's a high school age. You know, is there hope? Is there hope? And I think our listeners hearing from all of you and knowing about all the campers and individuals that get treatment, there is hope. And not only hope, but thriving. And I would say all four of you are clearly thriving. And I'm just so proud of you for all that you guys have done and to be here to share your experiences. I know the parents at Communicamp just love the parent, teen, child panel hearing from you. And the lights on their faces hearing from you is just absolutely incredible. And I know our listeners can't see you, but I... I'm confident they're hearing from you, and this is offering the hope that many need just to keep um, moving forward. So if you had to think back, and I think, Sebi, you were sharing that this, you know, you've overcome it, like, for a bit of time, and some of you are still in your journey. Not necessarily that you don't have your words, but there's other things you might be still working on, because sometimes it's like, are they cured, or, you know, and I would say that you've overcome, you are functioning socially, emotionally, academically, all of you. Um, But there's still things we all are working on. I mean, I'm working on things. Everyone that's listening is working on things. So I want our listeners to understand that we're all human and some things are still challenging. Do you guys, any of you want to share, do you guys have any challenges in terms of social communication that even though I wouldn't say you're selectively mute, but there's areas in your life that are still a bit of a struggle that you're working on from a social communication standpoint? So I actually work with Jen, and I haven't completely overcome my SM yet. Um, Jen and I and my family say that I kind of still have pockets of SM. Okay. I still struggle speaking um, with my family. I It's really hard. They don't seem to understand. And I also struggled to do like school presentations. I haven't done my own and who knows how long now. Um, but I'm pretty good in all other situations, I would say. So Sylvia, you said something that was interesting. You said that your family members don't understand. Do you think that plays a role in your ability to truly overcome this challenge? Like, do you feel that Maybe they're not understanding. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I guess so. Um, at the moment, because they haven't understood for so long, um, I've kind of decided to work on other things. So I'm still making progress. I'm really working on social outings, like getting together with my friends and planning my own stuff. So... Even though I'm not working with my family at the moment, I there's still plenty of things that I can look back and see that I am making progress and I'm not stuck. Good, good. 
If your family members asked you a basic question, like if they said, when do you start college, would you be able to answer that question from most of them? Um, I think so. Yeah, so you're basically able to verbalize. You just may not be as comfortable elaborating, initiating, and having conversation. Yeah. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Okay. So Sebi or Layla or Veronica, are there other, are there areas that you would say are still hard for you? Um, yeah, for me, I think, um, like, socializing with other peers and kids my age um, and, like, making new friends is something that I still struggle with in terms of, like, initiation and, you know, putting myself out there to do it myself. Um, but that's definitely something I hope to improve on in college and, you know, use the skills that I have to get better at that. And then um, also kind of what Sophie was saying with like school presentations and stuff is something that I still, um, you know, have trouble with. So when you talk about, um, I love how proactive you are, like you're very aware and that's something after Veronica and Sebi might want to share. Um, I want to talk about like um, so many teens, so many older kids don't acknowledge this. They don't want to deal with it. Some clinicians don't even talk to them about it. Some parents don't talk about it or they focus only on talking. What I'm hearing from you guys, and then I believe I'll continue to hear, is, is your acknowledgement of what's, what's easier, what's harder, what you're working on, goal setting, and I think that's powerful for our listeners to kind of hear and think about um, because it's not just what do I do to get you to talk, but you understanding and working on your goals that are important to you and you guys are sharing like talking with friends is hard but that's something you're going to work on as you start your next journey Layla in college. Mm -hmm. Veronica or Sebi do you want to share anything about like things like you've come so so far there are there are there areas and maybe there aren't that you still feel social communication wise you're working on? I mean uh sometimes like I will just like talk to people and I can just like not find the right words I'm trying to say Sometimes, like, I just don't know the conversation or topic, and I'll just say something weird just to say something. It doesn't really make sense, which is probably re one of the reasons why I like acting, because it's scripted, and you don't have to worry about it, because uh, it already makes sense. You, uh, you wrote it and everything, and you spent the time on it. Wow, that's awesome. That's really an interesting perspective. I think there's going to be a lot of listeners uh, hearing this. Um, thinking, wow, that makes sense. And that kind of goes back to when we work on scripting, preparing for real world settings, when knowing what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. That scripting approach really works well when you do become verbal. And even for nonverbal kids, it's a way to help them begin to cross the bridge. But I love that, Sebi, that you know the acting with the scripting and knowing what to say is something that gives you, so, like helps you feel calmer and kind of knowing what to say without worrying and fearing that you may say the wrong thing. So that's pretty cool. Thank you for sharing that. Veronica, did you want to share something about things that you might still be working on? I kind of relate to what Layla said on the initiating part. I find it really hard to like put myself out there to be talkative sometimes. Like for example, I match other people's energy. Like if someone's quiet around me, I sometimes can't help but be quiet around them and it's not a discomfort issue like it can be something I mean someone that I feel very comfortable with I just struggle to initiate being talkative but 
if I'm given like a space where other people are like being talkative around me or encouraging me to be talkative then I can talk a lot but I just notice that I adapt to other people in a way if that makes sense yeah no I think that makes total sense and what I'm hearing is you're very sensitive right and I think that's an aspect to understanding you and maybe all of you and a lot of individuals that struggle with social communication challenges, feeling overwhelmed, shut down. Like that's what I hear is that the, like either the energy in the room, but also their sensitivity to it. Do you find that louder, larger, more people environments can overwhelm you and it takes you longer to think or to know what to say in those environments? Sophie? I have um, sensory issues. I'm very sensitive to like touch and visual and audio, audio? Um, audio stuff Um, so I get really overwhelmed in places where there's a lot of stuff going on when there's a lot of people when there's a lot to like take in um, I kind of shut down a little I've gotten better with it but it still makes it harder for me to speak So that's interesting because there are a lot of individuals with selective mutism that have sensory sensitivities as to one of their whys of SM. And so when um, people, families are coming for treatment or even adults we see, that's a big why in understanding that how, understanding how sensitivities play into presentation. And what you're saying is when you think about the social communication bridge and the different stages, that in a very overwhelming setting, when you feel dysregulated, um, and there's a lot going on, a lot of stimuli, that may cause you to go down to a stage zero even in the moment, and that you're learning to be able to maybe predict those environments, how to get yourself ready for those environments, how to cope through those environments, and that awareness is really important. And for some of our listeners that have children with selective mutism, for those of you that have some sensory sensitivities, How would you say this affected you when you were younger, for some of our younger listeners? How did you feel in a setting? Like, what what happened? Like, you said you shut down. Was there anything else you felt? Like, did you feel like you couldn't think straight? The words weren't coming out? uh, You felt frozen? You said clothes bother you? The touch bothers you? Yeah, big time. I actually, because of my sensory issues, especially on my face... During the pandemic and when we had to wear masks, I went completely mute until they were gone. Wow, Um, interesting. It actually sent me back to, like, stage one of treatment. So I had to work on getting everything back I already had. It was like I was losing who I was because speaking is so important to me. I couldn't communicate to anyone, so it was really hard. Anything else you guys want to add about being sensitive, how that affects you, maybe a big classroom and how that affects you? Something that might affect me is definitely like big classrooms because I find it harder to talk in those classrooms because there are more people surrounding me in the classroom and I feel like I like smaller classrooms because if I'm feeling overwhelmed, 
it's easier to go to the teacher and tell the teacher I need a break, but it's kind of hard to go to the teacher in a big classroom and communicate my needs during the class. So something that helps me with my selective mutism, I have an IP for having team taught classrooms. So I have two teachers in all my classrooms and I find that really helpful because if I'm not feeling well and I don't want to announce it in front of the whole class, I can go to a teacher that's in the back watching and silently express my needs. But if it was one teacher, I'd have to raise my hand and everybody would hear me saying, I need a break, I'm overwhelmed. So that can help kids with selective mutism having team taught classrooms definitely interesting like having an aide in the room or a second teacher to be kind of a point person especially if the other teachers are the other teachers like speaking up in front of the group and it gives you an opportunity to feel safe and have a way so maybe planning that out too and their awareness like you said you had an IEP in place so their awareness to that you would be going up to them or letting them know in a way that you felt comfortable okay so I wanted to ask you guys in terms of Was there anything specific in your journey that was like an aha moment of, I really want to do this? Was there some impetus that happened or maybe it was over time and it was a slow, gradual change? But I think our listeners would like to hear, what was really motivating for you and when did that happen in your journey? For me, there was never like an aha moment. Um... But I guess my biggest motivation is that I always knew whatever I did for an occupation, but I wanted to help people. I Originally, I wanted to become a speech therapist, again, helping. And then an occupational therapist, helping. Um, and now, after working with Jen at the Smart Center, I realized that I want to become a therapist. I want to help children with SM and other related stuff. And that's actually what I'm going to go to school for. I'm for you. For going you. to get my master's in clinical mental health counseling. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really proud of you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there wasn't like a specific moment for me either, but kind of when I entered high school, which is when I like really started to see, um, you know, the social um, anxiety and SM, like, coming through, like, in school and with um, peers is when I, you know, really wanted to change. I realized that it was an issue and something that I wanted to be able to overcome um, because I wanted to be able to make friends. I wanted to, you know, talk to peers and, um, you know, be a part of the classroom and all that kind of stuff that you know kids do in high school and I really struggled sometimes to do so I think that was motivating for me as I just wanted to you know have a normal high school experience. Do you have anything that was motivating for you Sebi? Uh, uh, I was just playing I remember I was in camp and I was just playing I Spy with a bunch of kids uh, I wasn't very confident but uh, over time, I started uh, guessing it and just felt confident in myself. And I guess that helped me uh, feel more comfortable with other people. Awesome. Anything that 
was motivating for you, Veronica, to just kind of really push yourself that much further? Something that really pushed me and motivated me is that I just really wanted to see myself talking, like what I would be like if I talked. And I really wanted to be able to make friends more freely because making friends with selective mutism can be very hard, at least it was for me. And it was a big motivating part that helped me. And another thing that helped me is to get rid of embarrassing moments due to selective mutism because many times people have had to interact with me and I just froze, I didn't talk to them and I had no choice but to get used to it and call it normal. I was forced to make it normal for myself but it was, it, those experiencings, experiences are really embarrassing sometimes so my motivation was to put all those in the past and be able to speak up for myself so I don't get caught frozen in situations like that. Like for example, once in class, the teacher, I had an IEP and the teacher just happened to not read my IEP and everyone was doing icebreakers. They had to write down unnamed tags, their names and some of their hobbies. And then it got to my turn and the whole class turned around to look at me and the teacher stopped waiting and waited for me to talk and she just froze and was silent for like an unnecessary amount of time and it was really embarrassing for me so I had no choice but to kind of silently cry in the classroom because I was really embarrassed but that's another motivation for me is because I don't want to deal with those things again. Right. So it really was painful is when I'm hearing some of these things that, you know, you've gone through. And I think so many individuals with SM go through this and some become avoidant. They don't want to deal with it. And that's a coping skill. And part of what happened to you in this journey, and I, I know with the three of you, Sebi, Sophie, Layla, as well as you, Veronica, is like you kind of took that challenge and had the confidence to start overcoming it. Because life's all about overcoming challenges, right? Nobody has it easy. It might look it sometimes, and that's what's frustrating because that's all we see. You know, social media, you see everybody smiling and seeming so happy, but meanwhile, they've got struggles in their life and their own struggles that they're dealing with personally. So what I'm hearing from all of you is that kind of impetus was as you're going through it, connecting with people. Every one of you said something about connecting with people. You, Sophie, wanting to help someone, helping others that you knew that's what you wanted, you didn't necessarily know what it was. Um, you, Layla, entering high school and wanting friends and connecting. Same with you, Sebi, through the games. You realized that was very confidence boosting and you liked it and it allowed you to connect and be with people. Um, and you, Veronica, like you said, you know, you wanted to have friends, you wanted to connect with people. And I think for our listeners, even when your children are not telling you this or acting like they care, we are social beings and we need connection for our own sense of self. And without connection, it leads to more anxiety, more avoidance and depression. And I think that it's really important for our listeners, whether you're a parent whether you're a teacher, a treatment professional, or a 
child or teen listening to this, it's about finding connections and it will take adults in our lives to help set that up through clubs and activities. What are some of the social types of outlets that you guys had that helped you? Was there a social outlet? Let me give you an example. Did your teachers parent group you with similar peers in school of interest? Was there a club? Was there an activity you did that helped you that you felt good about? Anybody want to share that? Go ahead, Layla. Um, yeah, so in school, um, one of my accommodations was that whenever we did do group work, I could be paired with someone that I was more comfortable with and knew, which was helpful. Um, in terms of clubs, I did join um, the poetry club at my school. Um, it was a teacher that I liked, and also I, um, you know, I like English. So that was like an interest that I had, and I knew some people that were in the club too. So that was really helpful. Um, outside of school, I, I danced throughout um, all of high school and like since I was really little. And um, I've always been really comfortable there with all my teachers and all the girls that I danced with were pretty much the same since I was little. So I, you know, was really comfortable with them. and. There were times when my SM affected it, um, but I was able to like communicate that with my teachers, my dance teachers, and it helped. So something I want to mention, so you started dance when you were younger, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. that made it a little easier. Yeah. But you, when we were working together, I remember you wanting to join the poetry club, and the poetry club already had started. Yeah. So for some of our mm -hmm. listeners, they're thinking, well, my child's never going to join an activity. I know she likes this or he likes that, what did we do that helped you be able yeah. to accomplish that? So um, I knew I wanted to join the club, but um, it already like had its first meeting. So I was nervous about like just walking in and mm -hmm. I didn't know if you're even allowed to just walk in or whatever. <laughs> so um, when I was on a call with Dr. E, we, um, I, I knew the teacher, I actually had the teacher as my English teacher. So that made me more comfortable too, to um, email him. And I just asked like, I want to go to poetry club like am I allowed to just walk in and yeah so we made the email together yeah so for our listeners you know working with your clinician and really you know it's not easy for our kids to just go up to a teacher or just join a club sometimes it takes a teacher reaching out sometimes it takes writing an email and in Layla's journal like that was part of what we did instead of relying on mom to connect we, you were willing and we used your feeling scale about what it would feel like to write the email. We wrote it together and I gave you the choice. Do you want to send it now? Do you want to send it later? And you were like, well, we can send it now. So together you clicked it right then and there during our consult. So I remembered, you know, I remembered that. So I think, you know, what I'd like to ask is, I know confidence plays a role in building skills. I know a lot of you have skills that you feel proud of and that was confidence boosting. Are there specific skills that you can just touch on? With then the smart center, it's always so important to find a topic that your teen or your child is really interested in. Uh, you wanna make them feel like a big shot, like they're on the top of the world. And for me, that topic is talking about SM. Um, it is one of my favorite topics in the whole world. I could just go on about SM all day if you let me. And me too, Sophie, me too. <laughs> and that's actually why I find it so easy to speak at camp. 
because it is the one thing that I know everything on. I can answer anything ranging from meds, my experience on meds, to even school combinations. And I haven't even had an IEP or a 504, so I guess I just find it so easy and I love it. That's awesome. Sebi, do you have any specific... Oh, you said acting, right? Yeah. Um, uh, th- I mean, there's lots of stuff and lots of topics I'm very comfortable in. And I could just talk about all day, like writing, uh, acting, even geography, uh, and swimming. And I just, like, light up every time someone asks me about those questions because I know everything about it. I, I mean, like, not, like, bragging, but just, like, some of my friends aren't as interested as them as me. Uh, so, like, swimming, I had to make a lot of new friends because uh, a lot of my friends didn't swim at all. And they actually helped me uh, a little with my selective mutism because they did not care what other people think, thought at all. And every meet, everyone was cheering at the top of their lungs. Aww. So you found yeah. friends through all of these activities. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes you feel good because connection is so important. So it's not in the middle of the classroom. It's finding your areas of interest. Anything you guys want to share about areas of interest? Over this weekend of volunteering at camp, I've been feeling a connection to like working with the Smart Center. And I'd really love to volunteer again. And again, like Sophie said, I'd love to talk more about selective mutism and I'm passionate about hopefully doing more panels sometime soon. That's awesome. And you guys go into the teen rooms and the older and the kids rooms and share because the campers here at Communicamp now, they're like where you were. And Two summers ago. Yeah, just a couple summers, like you said. And there they are listening to you. You are inspirations. You are inspirations to the parents sitting in the audience at the parent at the panel. But also when you're in the rooms, they're looking at you thinking, wow, there's hope for me. So even though some of these kids here are not verbalizing it yet, or they're just starting, you guys are their hope. So that, I mean, talk about changing a life and having an effect on a life. Like few people can say that they can have an effect on a life in a really positive way. So we could go on and on. I'd love to be able to do these, like, you know, next Communicamp when we're all together, meeting on teams. Like, it's, I know that our listeners would love to hear more from you guys, people that have been in the trenches, as you said, dealing with this. I'm going to ask you a few more just last questions just to kind of sum up this particular episode. Um, If you had any advice, I know, Sophie, you're going to go, you're ready, right? On what... Any advice or recommendations to parents that have children struggling? What would be just a quick advice so that we could get through everybody here? I would say that it's really important to listen to your child. And it's really important to like read them. Where are they at? What do they need help with? Should you push them more? Should you back off? What about you, Sebi or Layla? Any advice to parents? I mean, I think you should just, like, be very understanding of them and not push them to, you know, socialize. I mean, uh, I know someone who drove all the way from Miami to here in Pennsylvania because their kid was afraid of flying. 
Uh, I mean, I'm not asking you to do that, but just listen to them and don't push them to make friends or join any groups. Anything else, Layla or Veronica, any advice to parents? Um, yeah, I mean, similar to what Sophie and Sebi were saying, just um, really listening to your kid and trying to understand them as best as you can. Um, and just also knowing that it's not always going to be perfect. Um, some days are going to be better than others. Um, it's not linear, but to stick with it. Um, because there are strategies that really work um, and it might be different for every kid, but you know, there is progress that can be made for everyone. Yeah, I'd say just be proud of your kids and try to push them to um, being exposed to, like of course in their comfort zone, obviously, like not something that would make them uncomfortable, but push them to use strategies that don't go beyond their limits that can help expose them to, to talking in the real world. So you're all for saying, look, listen, and learn from your children. That's what you're saying. And really understand them. Because a lot of times parents listening um, and other individuals, like caretakers listening, teachers, they think they know and they're focused and they're often focused just on talking. When in reality, it's understanding that individual and their unique challenges and also what's important to them. Go ahead, Sophie. I'd also say that it's important as a parent for parents that it's really important to see what your kids can do versus what they can't do. I love it. I feel like, sorry, Mom, but I feel like she kind of focuses on what I'm not doing more than focusing on what I have been doing. So it's interesting you say that. I love it that you articulated that way and each of you are all nodding. At camp, you hear parents coming in, even when we're doing individual treatment, and they're talking about all that they're not doing. And I give them an assignment at camp and I say, okay, between today and tomorrow, I want you to just say positive things, three positive things to your children, not related to speaking. Wow, I loved how you shared with your brother. That was great. I'm so proud of you for coming today and, you know, being there. I know that was a little hard. Or, wow, you really, you know, you really um, helped me out with that project. I love it. Just praise them three times. In addition, what focus on their positives and, like, flip it to a positive. Every negative thought, flip it to a positive. Because our kids know they don't talk, right? They know that it's hard. They know they're stuck. So I love what you said about focusing on positives. What advice do you have for children, other kids that are here, that are struggling outside of here? What advice do you have? I would say that it's really important to kind of be proud of yourself for how much you've overcome and what you're doing right now and not to like look at what you didn't do one day. It's really important to celebrate all your wins, big or small. A win is a win, and you've had to work hard for it. Yeah, I would say, like, kind of what Sophie was saying, just be proud of any kind of progress. And, um, you know, it might not be linear or it can get worse and better with time. But um, to be proud of yourself and know that it is really worth it um, and to not give up. Um, and also just to know um, that you are more than your selective mutism. And I know that um, sometimes that can be hard to see, especially if there are parents or outside influences 
that are really just focusing on your SM or the fact that you don't talk, but, um, you know, everyone has a personality when they're comfortable, and I think it's really important to focus on that that's the real you and not your SM. I love that. That's beautiful. (laughs) So much more than any challenge you have, and that's beautiful. Anything you want to give advice to any kids, Veronica? My advice would be not to be hard on yourself and just know that one day you'll make progress to the point where you might not even meet the criteria for selective mutism anymore. And it might take a few years, it depends. It might take months, weeks, depends on the person. Um, Personally, for me, it took years. I got treatment at the Smart Center when I was 13. Now I'm 17, but I made progress over time between that 13 and 17. And now that I'm older, I'm finally able to speak on podcasts like this and speak on panels and volunteer. So I just say, give give it time and be proud of yourself and acknowledge what you, you've done, the progress, even if it's just a little bit, a little bit goes a long way because at least you're making progress. Yeah, no, I love it. I think it's great. And during this podcast, we're at Communicamp because you guys were all on the panel and you heard all those kids like talking in the background outside the room and laughing. So um, our listeners will hear the kids making progress out there that aren't part of this podcast. So there's hope. And and for me, in my personal journey, and one of the reasons I even do this podcast is because I want families, I want teachers, I want professionals, I want kids to realize there's hope and you can do it. And read as much as you can learn as much as you can but there's hope and everyone can overcome their challenge and reach their potential and that's important their potential and i thank you guys today for this wonderful opportunity you guys are an inspiration to me seeing you here doing this sharing your your experiences with the parents with the kids here at camp and thank you and i know our listeners are going to just love 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 this episode So um, I know you guys have Instagrams, and if you want to share your Instagram handle, we'll definitely share that in this episode as well, so that if people want to reach out to you with questions, you'd be wonderful resources. So thank you. Thanks, guys. It was really nice being on this podcast, and I'm honored. (laughs) Well, it is an honor for me to be with all of you. Have a great day and safe journey home. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thank you so much for this incredible opportunity to share my knowledge. For more information, please go to SelectiveMutismCenter.org. If you have questions on anything covered in this podcast episode, we want to answer them. Please head to SelectiveMutismCenter.org forward slash ask D-R-E. And we'll do our very best to answer them in upcoming podcast episodes, Smart Center newsletters, and on social media. Thank you.